Good morning. Hey, good to see everybody. Happy Easter. Yeah, it's still Easter season, about seven weeks, because it's so much fun. Um, and it's such a big deal. And so during this season, we're actually uh, following, uh, it's the sign readings the church has used for centuries. Um, the letter that John wrote, the first letter, it's called First John. This is the Apostle John. Uh, that he wrote to the churches. Following the powerful events of Easter, he talked about what a blessing it is to be in an emotionally healthy and spiritually nurturing family. There's a lot of big words there. An emotionally healthy and spiritually nurturing family, a community. Now, you know one of the most dreadful things that has come from this pandemic is isolation. Humans are not made to exist alone, outside of a community, outside of fellowship. And John writes us again, this whole letter, it's all about this place, this church, big C church all around the world, being a place of community. And so Pastor Jeremy and I are going to be looking in the next few weeks just the different aspects of this community. What does this community look like? And today I want to talk about us being God's family. That's what this community is. It is God's family. And I don't know if those two words hit you this morning, if you've woken up yet, but God, okay, the one who created the universe, family, right? Think how close and tight and intimate and loving a relationship is when you're family. Well, unless you're, you know, teenage siblings or something. But, well, no, but that's what it is, right? That's what a family is like. And this family is very special. This family, very special. And I want to, I want to give you a little quiz here to see if you can figure it out. What do Bill Clinton, Gerald Ford, Newt Gingrich and Nancy Reagan all have in common? You might say, something to do with politics? Oh, I'm going to add to the list. All these people. Aristotle, Edgar Allan Poe, Faith Hill, Shania Twain. I think, okay, well, maybe they all wrote things. Poems, songs, books, a lot of writings. A few more people I'm going to add to the same list. Jamie Foxx, Marilyn Monroe, Steve Jobs, and the great Babe Ruth. What do all of these people have in common? When they were children, they were adopted. They were all adopted. It was, a, it was actually a foster parent that taught Babe the game of baseball when he was a kid. You think, where would all of these people have been without an adoptive, a loving family to raise them? Now, John opens chapter 3, the very first verse, with the words, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And I love the word lavished. God's love just overflows into our lives, filling us up to overflowing. Right? And there's so many, so many pictures in the 
scriptures that show God's love for us like this. But just think of one of the famous ones. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want, goes on, prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, anoints my head, but my cup runneth over. What does that mean? What is he saying? Well, if you want to stick around for some coffee after church, you're welcome to do that in, in fellowship time. And uh, you bring your little cup over to me and say, I'd like some coffee. And I take the entire pitcher of coffee and I empty it into your cup. What are you going to do? What are you doing? Ah, you're crazy. You're wasting it. You're, 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 you're not, you know, it's klutz or something. God is wasteful with his love. He lavishes it upon us. And this is where John gets really excited. He says that we shall be called what? Children of God. And then you hear him shouting it in joy, right? And that is what we are. We are children of God. Now, the only way that's possible is by adoption. God has chosen. God has decided to love us and to bring us into his family. Now, it gets dangerous when we start to doubt God's love for us and his adoption of us. Where does the doubt come from? Doubt usually pops up when we start uh, paying real close attention to a lot of the circumstances that are going on in the world, maybe the circumstances going on in our lives. We ask questions like, if God is good, why do bad things happen? Or better, uh, if I'm good, why do bad things happen to me? This is circumstantial. We realize it's a, it's a sinful and broken world. But what really is kind of underneath doubt, what really causes doubt to sprout up and grow, is at the root, which is unbelief. Unbelief produces doubt. And we see it in the very first sin in Genesis chapter 3 where Eve having the conversation with the, uh, the deceiver. And he's so subtle in the way he twists the truth into a lie. But the instant she starts to not believe what God has said, she doubts. And that is why John spends so much time, and especially in this letter, telling us, what a joy it is to know what we know. Sixteen times in this little section of Scripture, his little letter, he uses the word know. In other words, the Christian life is not one that is miserable. It's not, uh, it's not flaky. It's not uh, blindly walking, you know, like a blind faith, grasping at straws. John tells us that we can be joyful because we can be so Certain, because of the certain promises of God that we find in his certain word. We know, we know how much God loves us. He's demonstrated that love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the second verse, he repeats it again because it's such amazing news. Dear friends, now we are children of God. But you know, it wasn't always so. We were all born sinful and unclean. We were born enemies of God until he called us and adopted us 
as his children. Ah, it's such an amazing gift. The God of the universe wants to call us not just friend, not best friend, right? Son and daughter of the king of the universe. It's, it's incredible. And children also, I should just say, it's not meant to be belittling. Uh, this term doesn't mean like you're a baby or anything like that at all. It's, it's a reminder of how much God loves you. It is a reminder that God has taken a solemn obligation to do for you what all good fathers do for their children, to provide for you, to protect you, and to give you guidance in this crazy world. He has obligated himself to be our heavenly father. What? I mean, what kind of love is that? It's astounding. So, uh, following on in uh, the same verse, uh, John writes, And then, uh, what we will be has not yet been made known. So in other words, when you, yeah, when you walk around the world today, and you look at the circumstances today, it doesn't look like heaven, right? Because it's not heaven. But we still know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. We know that when Jesus returns, ooh-wee, it is going to be amazing. And, think about this, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And Walt shared the gospel reading also this morning. He read the words of Jesus when he said to his disciples after the resurrection, he said, see the scars in my hands, look at me. Does a spirit have flesh and bone? I don't know how, I don't know how much you've, time you've spent pondering this. But Jesus kept his body, even after the resurrection, even after the ascension. We'll get that in a few weeks, but remember, the disciples are standing on the hill, and Jesus, his body, he, he ascended, he lifted up and disappeared into the clouds. He kept his body so that he will forever be our human brother. What a family to be in. The family of God. And now John, make sure everybody's paying attention. He shifts gears here, talking about the wonderful blessings of being in the family of God. The very next verse, he says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. You almost get whiplash when he changes topics so quick like that. Um, what he's saying is, I hate cheap grace. Now, what's cheap grace? Well, cheap grace is the idea that just because something is free, it doesn't cost anybody anything else. In other words, we can bask in the glow of Easter and uh, receive this wonderful forgiveness and then just go live however we want. John says, no, this is not the case. If you are God's children, then live like God's children. I think we've all experienced this in our life at one point or another, surely. Whether it is a uh, 
someone who just doesn't appreciate the value of a gift that you give to them. Think back to any, maybe a child that you've had at one point. When they throw a temper and they purposely break one of their toys or destroy uh, one of their toys out of anger, rage. Or maybe it's, a, it's an in-law who borrowed your car and then just drove like a bat out of you know where and then brought it back to you with a dent in the fender and an empty gas tank. You think, thanks. Any, any kind of situation where people take advantage and take for granted uh, this wonderful gift that uh, has been given. You don't... Um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor uh, back during World War II. He actually went back into Nazi... He, he was in America uh, teaching at university. He was safe. Uh, and he went back to Germany before the start of World War II to be the underground resistance uh, to the Nazi party. He ended up actually being executed for an assassination attempt on Hitler. But uh, <clears throat> he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And, and he talks very clearly about uh, this idea, this very dangerous idea, that just because something is free doesn't mean that it is not expensive. Just because something is free to me doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't paid or given or sacrificed or worked for it. And he says it uh, like this from his book. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance. Now, we know the word repentance in the Bible means to turn 180 degrees. So if I'm going down a bad path and I just say, oh, I'm so sorry, and I just keep going out doing the same thing, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Oh, yeah, I'm forgiven. Forgive me again. No, repentance is we turn and say, I'm really sorry. I want to amend my ways. I want to walk in your will and you know, the joy of uh, your law. We, we go the other way. We don't just, again, take it for granted. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. A, a, a contrite heart. Sorry for our sins. Regretful that we've hurt someone. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, the price that Jesus paid. Grace Jesus Christ living and incarnate in the flesh. So you will always be our brother. Now if we're talking about adoption, it is, it's the awesome gift without the awesome responsibility. I don't know how many of you had a parent at one point in your life before you go out, maybe before you move out, say, remember who you are. Your last name. Like I'm sure Pastor Jeremy's dad, when he left for college, said, remember, you're a Depina. And everywhere you go, people will associate and give credit or blame <laughs> family, the family name based on how you act, how you treat people, how you live. When you were baptized, the pastor put a sign of a cross on your forehead. It's called you by name, Jeremy DePina. Receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ. 
the crucified. And in that holy waters of baptism, we are adopted into God's family. We are given his name, Christians, Christians. We bear his name everywhere we go. We represent. People will judge the whole church. People will make their decisions, their prejudices on God and his love, on how we act and how we treat other people and how we live. It is an awesome gift. You see, again, how excited John is to say it over and over again. We are children of God, and so we are. But he reminds us it's an awesome responsibility. If we are God's children, then let's live like God's children. And in verse 5, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Simply saying, Jesus destroyed sin. It's power over our consciousness and temptation. It's guilt hanging over our head, the grip that it tries to keep on our life. Jesus has completely destroyed it. We're, we're God's children now. And then back at the, uh, the very beginning of the book, this is the verse that is just kind of the theme verse for the whole series here at Easter. In the uh, very first chapter, the third verse, John says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Now, this is so important. These are eyewitnesses who saw Jesus crucified, saw him buried, and then saw him risen from the dead. They spoke with him. They put their fingers in the scar wounds. They had breakfast with him. We are eyewitnesses of this so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. You just notice the two dimensions there that our relationship with God, because we are children of God, that when we go out and we build relationships with other people, we are connecting them to Jesus through that relationship. So it's not just about, you think about evangelism or whatever church word you want to use, growing a church, whatever. It's not just getting people to come here on Sunday morning. I like that idea, okay? But, you know, a lot of times that's just a byproduct of us going out and living like the children of God in the world and treating people like a brother and sister of the same Heavenly Father, the same creator of us all. And when they build that relationship with you and you've got that relationship with us and we have the relationship with God, right, it just all flows together. And I think I can maybe <clears throat> better illustrate it by telling you what happened last week. Or a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my sister and her husband, they adopted a baby out in California. They live in St. Louis. So uh, mom and dad and oldest brother got in a rental car and drove three days, nonstop, really, actually, a day and a half. They didn't barely stop. Uh, from St. Louis to the coast, they spent a week in the neonatal ICU. This baby has uh, Down syndrome. And then they spent another week doing mountains of paperwork with attorneys and state of Missouri, state of California, and jurisdiction, and all that. 
When it's all finally taken care of, all the I's dotted and T's crossed, they came back, made their trip back to St. Louis, and they stopped right here in Scottsdale and spent a couple of nights with us, and I got to see my new niece, Bethany. And while they were here, we went over to the sanctuary over there, the baptismal font, the big stone fountain there, and Bethany Hatcher was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and completely, totally adopted into God's family, a child of God. I just want you to see, it was that relationship, the fellowship, when Bethany actually literally was adopted, a fellowship with us, and because of our fellowship with the Father, she is now also in fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the beautiful way that it can all work when we all work together. So, if I would have asked at the beginning, uh, how many of you are adopted? Uh, maybe a hand, two or three of you would have raised your hand. We had a few in the first service. But here's a surprise, and this is actually some really good news. Every single one of us, me and you, are adopted by the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords. We are children of God. I can't tell you any better news than that on this Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. All right, let me pray, and we'll have a blessing in our closing song. Thanks for being here today. Heavenly Father, what a, what a blessing it is uh, to just approach you um, on a first-name basis. Lord, we come to you, uh, we don't have to be scared when we have a need, when we have a prayer, uh, when we have a concern. Uh, Lord, you're the one that initiated this relationship. You're the one who reached down and, and adopted us when we had uh, no choice and no say and uh, really no idea which way was up. Uh, thank you for providing for us in this life and for eternity. Thank you for protecting us in this life and for eternity. And thank you for guiding us through this crazy world into eternity. We ask you uh, to continue to help us to live as your children and to share this wonderful gift, this lavishing of love. Uh, we have more than we need, so uh, help us share it with other people. Give it away. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.